And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Kathy and I got married. We had three beautiful children, spent 10 years in Virginia Beach, and then we moved to the North Shore of Chicago to plant a brand new church, a brand new congregation. We financed the plant of the new church by me cashing in my retirement fund. And that's how, that, that was the startup monies for getting the church going. And, and you know, it all went well until we ran out of that startup money, until it was gone. And I had to start believing God to take care of us. In fact, I would look at my wife, Kathy, and she's not here today because her mother yesterday turned 90 years old. Her mother lives in North Carolina, and so they had a big birthday party. She'll be back tonight. In fact, she'll be here for the, for the family uh, fall fest, okay? So I want you to be here so you can see Kathy, okay? <laughs> All right? So, so anyway, I looked at Kathy, and I looked. We had three little girls at the time, and we put them in a Christian school. And the reason we enrolled them in the Christian school is because we couldn't afford to buy any of the houses anywhere close to where the church was. And so we thought, well, we'll put them in a private school. It doesn't matter where we live. And we ended up finally leasing, renting a house that was, that was some distance away. And so we're living in that. And, and, and we're seeing this nest egg has gone startup retirement money. This been the startup money has gone and it's fizzled. And now it's no longer existing. And I just became overwhelmed with fear and with worry. I thought, oh, God, did I do the wrong thing? I'm a thousand miles away from family and friends. I'm, I'm here. Lord, you know, this is a tough place. It's 20% Jewish, 70% Roman Catholic. There's not even a Baptist church in this community, Lord. And here we are planning a spirit-filled church. And Lord, have we heard from you? And I was just talking to God about it. And, and, and after I prayed, I got quiet before the Lord. And I found myself thinking about some books on faith in God that I had. That I, that I had. They were actually in a box. I hadn't even unpacked them. And I didn't unpack them because I didn't think I needed them. But I thought about these books that about exercising faith in God. And so I went and picked them up and started reading them. And I was reminded that Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I began to stand in my prayer time. Instead of praying about the problems, I started in my prayer time, started saying, God, by faith, we just receive the resources that we need to live. We receive the resources that this church needs to be successful. We receive from your hand. And folks, it wasn't easy. And it didn't, it didn't happen automatically. It didn't change. Things didn't change overnight. But I want you to know, slowly but surely, things began to turn around and things that began to change. And did you know we started the church and we, we arrived in December of, of um, 1988. And so at the end of the first year, which had been in December of 1989, did you know that our little startup church had actually, our, 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 our total giving to the church that year was 190 
thousand dollars that's that's what and we didn't have a whole lot of people but that's what people gave through the their tithes and their offerings and did you know that that the next year that it grew by seventy five thousand dollars and the next year it grew by seventy five thousand dollars and it never grew by less than seventy five thousand dollars a year it just kept growing and growing and and, and, and for the entire 14 years that we were there until we came here to pastor because god is faithful But let me tell you something. God's looking for somebody who will stand in faith, believing him and not being persuaded by our circumstances. I remember one morning in my devotions as a young Christian, when I came across third John chapter one, verse two, which says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in a few things. I pray that you may prosper spiritually no he says i pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers and the greek word here for prosper is you do and it means to find help on your journey it means to succeed in reaching your own goal and i remember sharing this scripture with a pastor friend of mine over a cup of coffee and he says oh terrell you can't read too much into that i mean that was just john's way of of bringing a salutation that was john's way of just saying hey how are you and i thought to myself well every word of scripture is written by the inspiration of god Peter says that holy men of old old wrote as they were breathed on, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And I thought, well, if John just wanted to bring a greeting, why did he say, hey, how are you guys? Glad to know you're doing good. But that's not what the Holy Spirit led him to write. He says, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And, you know, prosperity does not begin with what you have. It starts with who you are. Say that again. Sometimes we, 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 we hear about Jesus meeting needs and we hear about an abundant life and sometimes we get the wrong idea. Listen, prosperity doesn't start with what you have. It starts with who you are. I want to know, is your soul prospering with God this morning? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If you died tonight, would you wake up in heaven? Come on, do you have peace that passes all understanding that's guarding your heart and mind through Christ Jesus? Are you meditating in God's Word and is His Word alive in your heart? Come on, are you listening to the Holy Spirit or are you obeying the promptings and the dictates of the Holy Spirit? Well, I begin to pray this 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. God, I just thank you that I'm prospering in all things and that I'm in health even as my soul prospers. And also just I begin praying and asking God for crazy favor in my life. I just, God, I'm just believing you for favor, just crazy, unusual favor. It wasn't long after I started praying that, that Pastor Robert Berger from Camina de Vida Church in Lima, Peru, came to visit us. And Robert said to me, he says, Terrell, all my life I've wanted to go to a Chicago Cubs game, but I've never been able to. Hey, who's in the World Series right now? <laughs> Who needs to win tonight if they want to stay in it, okay? It's the Cubs. I, I'm a big Cubbies fan. 
Now, when we lived on the North Shore of Chicago, you, you almost couldn't get tickets to see the, to, to watch the Cubs play because the businesses bought them up. And at that time, they didn't have lights, so they didn't have evening games. And you could always get into Comiskey Park to see the White Sox. In fact, Monday was 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 half price night in Comiskey Field, and so it was my day off. And so often, I'd take Kathy and the girls down to Comiskey Field on the south side of Chicago, in the baddest part of town, where bad bad Leroy Brown lived. Amen. I mean, it was in a bad part of town. In fact, when they rebuilt Comiskey Park, they built it in the bad, bad part of town. So we would pray up when we went down there, man. And and you, we, they had half price parking too, which helped. So we'd go to the park there, at Comiskey Park, and we would go. We would have a, a ball. But it was a lot harder to get in to see the Cubs. And I knew that if I took Robert to see the Cubs, that we probably were going to have to to buy tickets from somebody that was scalping tickets. And what we did is we drove our car down to Evanston. And in Evanston, we picked up the elevated train. They just call it the L. We took the L. And it'll, it'll take you right down, let you off right at Comiskey Park and, and right at the Billy Goat Tavern. And so we get off at, at Comiskey Park. And and I see these guys that are, that are scalping tickets and ask them, how much they wanted and they wanted three and four prices and I was just praying I said Lord I thank you for crazy favor I thank you for favor for favor for favor I went up to the ticket box and it had a big sign said sold out and I knocked on that plexiglass nobody came I knocked some more finally somebody showed up said can I help you I said yes I said I know that it says that you're sold out of tickets but I've got somebody that's flown all the way from Lima, Peru, from South America, just to see the Cubbies play. And they would love to see them play. And, and sir, I'm, I'm here to ask if you've got two tickets. Maybe you just had them reserved and, and somebody didn't show up. Or, or do you have two tickets, please? He looked at me, being shaking his head like this. And then he disappeared. Didn't say a word. Then he comes back. Well, I wasn't going to leave that, that, that plexiglass ticket office. So I'm still standing there. And he comes back. He says, sir, here are two tickets. Enjoy the game. Do you know that we ended up, now I had to pay for them. I don't want to, to I had to pay for them. But just face value, though. He, he wasn't scalping them. I mean, he, he worked for the Cubs for Wrigley Field. We had two tickets that were on the very first row, right Across from third base, third baseline. If you know anything about Wrigley Field, it is so old. It was built back in the 1920s. They don't have um, bullpens in the outfield area beyond the beyond the outfield. They don't have bullpens for the pitchers to warm up like a lot of the new stadiums do. In Wrigley Field, the pitchers have to warm up on the sidelines, just behind third base. So Robert and I are sitting on the very first row, and we're actually, here's Ryan Sandberg, who was, was, was a star pitcher for the Cubs back then. He is, I mean, we can reach over and touch Ryan Sandberg. That's how, how close we are. You talk about crazy favor. Hallelujah. You say, well, well God's just too busy. There are too many problems in this world to be talking about how God gives you tickets to a ball game. He's too busy. Oh, is he? My Bible tells me that God has the number of hairs on your head counted. And if you're like me, he's subtracting on a regular basis. <laughs> My Bible says that he sees the sparrow. 
when she falls. My Bible says that he's concerned about you. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. You say, Terrell, come on now. The Bible says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. But that's not exactly what the Bible says, is it? Let's look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See, folks, a a person can be a millionaire and be captive to a love for money. And a person cannot have two pennies to rub together and be a captive to the love for money because the love for money is a spirit that's called greed. It's called covetousness. And the problem with greed and covetousness is that it is never satisfied. You remember the story about Henry Ford. Henry Ford made millions of dollars manufacturing automobiles. But on his deathbed, it said, on his deathbed, Henry Ford was asked, well, Henry, how much more money do you want to make? And he said, just one more dollar. Because covetousness and greed is never satisfied. It's like lust. Lust is never satisfied. Folks, I've seen some people go through a difficult time with their health and with their finances. And I've had people say to me, say, well, pastor, I'm just like Job. I'm just like Job. And it makes me wonder just how much they know about the book of Job. You know, Job was an extremely wealthy and prosperous man. And the Bible says that for a season of his life, the devil attacked him. But it was only for a season. And during that time, thieves broke in and they stole almost everything that he owned. Fire fell from heaven. Lightning fell and it burned up his crops. Not only that, but his children are in a house one day having a party and a tornado came along and flattened that house and it killed all of his children. And then the Bible says that Job got covered with boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. And then his wife turned against him and said, just curse God and die. But Job refused to curse God. And then when you read Job chapter 42, verse 10, look at this with me. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends there's nothing like 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 forgiveness i'm gonna tell you something some of you got bitterness in your heart some of you got unforgiveness in your heart and you don't realize that it's stopping god's blessings from coming into your life look at this and the lord restored job's losses when he prayed for his friends indeed the lord gave job twice as much as he had before now the lord blessed the latter days of job more than his beginning for he had fourteen thousand sheep Somebody says a lot of sheep. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And in all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. Man, it reminds me of my kids. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children and his grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. See, folks, if you're like Job, it means you're going to be one of the wealthiest, richest people on the face of the earth. If you're like Job, you're going to have twice as much as you've ever had before. If you're like Job, you're going to be healed. You're going to live 140 years, and you're going to enjoy your children and grandchildren to the fourth generation. (laughs) 
Many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Maybe the devil has attacked you. Maybe you have experienced losses. Maybe there have been business losses. Maybe you've had loved ones to die. Maybe things have not gone right. But folks, the end of the book's not yet been written. Don't you put a period where God has put a comma. Man, you just keep counting him faithful. See, God knows what you need. He knows everything about you. He sees you when you get up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. He, 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 knows, he knows where you are all the time. He knows your, 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 your dreams and your desires. And, and, and he says, no good thing am I going to withhold from those that walk uprightly before me. Folks, it's the, the devil. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the devil's job description. That's the devil's mission statement, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And here's the problem. We'll hear, yes, 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 to have life more abundantly, glory to God. But then we will live at a barely getting by kind of life. See, you say, how does that happen? I think people in church, and I love church. I said, I love church. I, there's no better. It's not an organization. It's a living organism. There's nothing better than the body of Christ on the face of the earth. Man, I've traveled around the world, but I never go anywhere that I don't find some Christians and I don't go spend some time with them because there's, let me tell you, you are really salt and you are light. But let me tell you this about, about the church and about the body of Christ. Most people in church have accepted Jesus as Savior. Most people in church have accepted Jesus as Lord. Some have accepted Jesus as healer, but even fewer have accepted Jesus as provider. So let me ask you, have you accepted Jesus as your provider. Look at what Jesus said over Matthew 6. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not of more value than they? I'm telling you, you are valuable to God. I, I'm going to say it again. You are valuable to God. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? And let me just say, why are you worried about your health? I'm going to go on here. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more? I love that. Will he not much more? You need to underline that in your Bible. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore... Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. See, according to, to what Jesus says, he says, he says that if you and I are going around thinking about food and, and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear, folks, be aware that if you're serving the Lord and you're seeking first his kingdom, God knows that you need those things. He knows the end from the beginning. The, the problem is that most people, even Christians, spend their time worrying about little things. There's a book that was written some years back called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. That's a pretty good message. See, a lot of us end up, we just, we worry about this and we worry about that. I'm going to tell you, there, there, there are people that get up in the morning and they don't expect anything to go good. When they get up in the morning, they expect something to go bad before 10 a.m., I'm telling you, I get up in the morning and I say, thank you, Lord, because good things are happening today. God, I thank you today because you've designed me for success. You've designed me for abundance. You've designed me for prosperity. You've designed me, Lord God, as the head and not the tail and to be above and not beneath. You've designed me with a merry heart that does good like the medicine. And Lord, there may be attacks from the enemy. There may be attacks from people. But Lord, I'm not going to let it get me down because I thank you today because I am destined for success. Come on. I'm making plans for success i'm telling you god wants you to live a an abundant life good measure pressed down shaken together and running over glory to god that's what we're to expect so what are you expecting tomorrow come on what are you expecting to happen this next week come on i hope you're expecting good things I hope you're not believing for, for bad things. As your faith, so be it unto you. Some of you got more faith for something bad to happen than you do for, for God to show up and, and do something wonderful. How many of you are believing for the provision of the Lord? How many of you are believing for the favor of the Lord? How many of you know that the heart of the king is like channels of water in the heart in the hand of God? You know, you say, well, my supervisor is giving me a hard time. That's okay. God's bigger than your supervisor. God can change that man or that woman's heart. God can change their perspective. You say, well, I just got this teacher in school that's giving me a hard time. I'm going to tell you something. God's bigger than that professor. I remember when I was in graduate school, I had a, I had a, had a, had a major professor who, who I was getting, I was writing my thesis for, 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 for a master's degree. And he just turned out to be so antagonistic and so difficult. And, and I, I remember I called my dad. I said, Dad, I want you to have a prayer with me because I need God to change somebody's heart. And we prayed for that man. And dad continued to pray and I continued to pray. And I want you to know within 48 hours, that man had done a 20, a, a, a 360 degree turn from where he was. Instead of being an antagonist towards me, that within 48 hours, he was going to the library and he was checking out books for me. And he was saying, here, if you'll, if you'll incorporate this, this, and this in your research, everything's going to be just fine. And I want you to know my thesis was accepted. I graduated on time. He turned out not to be my enemy but to be my ally and over the years that man even stayed in touch with me 
Folks, God specializes in preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You just don't understand, Pastor Terrell, how this person has been so mean and so ugly. Well, how did Jesus teach us to handle people that treat us like enemies? He said, if they pop you on one cheek, what do you do? (laughs) He said, pop them back. That's what he said. And some of you, God's going to keep some enemies in your life until you learn. As long as you keep popping back. I'm going to tell you something. As long as you keep wanting to pop back, God's going to put some people in your life that's going to pop you. Because the Lord's interested in your character. As well as your gifting. He doesn't want your gifting to outrun your character. He doesn't want your gifting to outrun your integrity. You know, say God really uses some people and then boom, they're just off the scene. You wonder what happened. Well, their character couldn't keep up with their gifting. And you was gone. (laughs) You say, I don't know why this guy's giving me a hard time. Well, if you learn to start turning the other cheek. It's not because God wants you to get beat up. It's because he wants to fight your battles, but he wants you to trust him. How many of you know it takes faith to turn the other cheek? Come on, it takes faith to bite your tongue. Come on, when somebody says something smart to you, and you, you know, immediately, boy, a response comes, I'm going to put them in their place. It takes faith to bite your tongue and not say that. It takes faith to love and bless and do good and pray for people that treat you spitefully. But I'm telling you, God wants to fight your battles. But he won't do it as long as you're intent about on fighting them. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, you know, sometimes even after you, you can go through a season of your life when you express faith in God and you're, you're believing God and God blesses you. Did you know that sometimes even after he's blessed you that you can, you can kind of backslide into unbelief sometimes? Did you know that? Turn to somebody and say, he may be talking about you right now. I remember, you know, as much as God had, had blessed our church up at North Shore in Illinois, as much as God has blessed us, and I'd seen him just come through again and again and again, do you know that, that, that somehow I got the idea that I was indispensable and that I could not miss a Sunday? And uh, Kathy would go see, she does a good job of seeing her, her, her mom and her, her relatives, and, and, and I just didn't think I could be gone. On a Sunday, I was a legend in my own mind is what I was, really. I mean, let me tell you something. All of us are dispensable. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but I mean, if God really wants to use it, he can, he can speak through donkeys, you know that? But I, there for a while, I was believing that I was indispensable. I had to be there every Sunday, and I had to do all the preaching, and that if I wasn't there, that the offerings weren't going to come in, and if I wasn't there, that, you know. And part of that is built because there are people that will tell you, well, I, I went to your church last Sunday, but you weren't even there. You know, I mean, and, and I, I hear that. I've heard it all my life. And so sometimes that starts to play in the back of your mind. But what was really at work there is I didn't know that I could trust God to take care of that. I, I think, I'll be honest, I think Evangel does just really good when I'm gone. 
Really, I, I do. I, I think, and I don't say that because I'm not putting myself down by that. I just, I just believe that, that God says he gives his beloved rest, his sleep. And I was just shortchanging myself and short, shortchanging my family for so many years. Hallelujah. I had to trust God, though. I had to believe you, God. Okay, I'm going to take off. I'm going to, I'm believing you to be God and do what you need to do. God is a provider. It's his very nature to provide. If Jesus came to your house and there wasn't enough food, I believe he would provide the food. Amen? Glory to God. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen? So the devil may whisper and say, hey, this is not working out. You know, what you've been planning to do is not going to work out. God's not going to come through for you. Nothing, nothing's going to work out. You can say, oh, but I know Jesus. You can say, oh, I know Jesus. And I've accepted him not only as my Savior and my healer, my Holy Ghost baptizer, my soon-coming King, but I've accepted Jesus as my provider. And God is faithful. Hallelujah. You know, the very first miracle that Jesus did, it was turning water into wine. He, he went to a wedding with his mama and with his disciples. Apparently, these people were dear friends or maybe some relatives. I don't know. But during the middle of the wedding, they give out of wine. How embarrassing for the couple and for the parents and for the host. Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to him and says, hey, they've given out of wine. And then she says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. What, Folks, the, the, one of the secrets to having the provision of God in your life is to, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. I mean, I mean, we, we, we obey the word of God, which says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and try me in this, and see if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing there's not room enough to receive. We obey the scripture, but then the Holy Spirit might just whisper to your heart and tell you to give an offering here and there. And whatever he says to you do, you do it because you want to see God come through for you. You want to see God working in your life. Amen? I was in California. I was at a pastor's conference at Jack Hafer's church many years ago in Van Nuys, California, which is part of Los Angeles on the north side. And Jack Hayford at that time had a 6 a.m. prayer meeting, and I wanted to go to, to, to see how they operated it. And because and, uh, we actually, we were doing a 5 a.m. prayer meeting at that time, and it was about to wear me out. And uh, so I went to a 6 a.m. prayer meeting just to see how they did it. And, you know, Pastor Jack wasn't even there. God bless his heart. Another pastor was there on his staff, and I went to the prayer meeting, and there was a lady that was in a pew ahead of me and she was praying and seeking God and as I was praying back here and again I've just gone to see how they do this just to try to figure out the the bells and whistles of it and how it works and uh, but I'm praying and I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit in my heart saying give this lady a hundred dollars well all I had was I just had a hundred had a hundred dollar bill and had a few smaller bills and that's what that was my, my my food money for the week and this was the first of the week, and I was going to be there all week long. And, um, and, and, and so the Lord says, give this lady $100. Well, I didn't want to do it. 
You know, have you ever, has the Lord ever told you something you don't want to do? Have you ever argued with him? You know, how many doesn't work to argue with God? And so I just kept getting this impression, give her this money. And so when the prayer meeting was over, uh, I just walked up to her and I introduced myself. I said, ma'am, I'm from the East Coast and I'm just here visiting and I, I just want to bless you with this. And I just put the $100 bill in her hand and she walked out and I thought, well, there goes my meal money. Do you know that day it, 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 when I went, it was lunchtime, Pastor Dale O'Shields from Gaithersburg, Maryland was there and I hadn't even talked to Dale much, but he, he sought me out. He says, Terrell, I want to buy you lunch today. He took me to lunch and that night, John Noseworthy, who's now with the Lord, but John used to do tours to the Holy Land and uh, John was in, in Los Angeles and I know him when he used to be on staff at Emmanuel College and John was there. And John said, Terrell, so good to see you. I want to take you out to lunch. And John took me to a five-star, with nothing to lunch, this was dinner, took me to a five-star French restaurant, you know, where the, the waiters go around, that kind of stuff, you know, and they've, they've got the, yes, and the people are just waiting to fill up your water glasses. I mean, it, I, don't, I had roast duck or something, like, or pheasant or something that I wouldn't normally eat. And I watched that whole week as person after person. Dick Mills, who had a prophetic minister, he's now with the Lord. Dick Mills saw me and invited me out. Ed Cole, some of you are familiar with, 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 with Ed Cole and, 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 and his, his work with Promise Keepers. And Ed Cole invited me out. Different people were inviting me out all week long. I did not miss a meal. And at one of the evening services, at one of the evening services, the lady that I'd given the money, I didn't think I'd ever see her again. I mean, she's from Los Angeles, Van Nuys. I'm, you know, I just didn't think I, it was gone. What I gave her, I thought was gone. That lady sought me out one night and she says, Mr. I got to tell you. She says, I'm a single mom and I was out of food. And she says, I had some other bills I needed to pay. I didn't have the gas to get to work even. And I was just saying, Lord, I need some help. I need some help. And you don't never know what an answer to prayer you were for me. Folks, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying? Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Obey the promptings. He will speak to you. He will, he'll, he'll show you. He really will. Now, when I think about Jesus turning that water into wine, and Norm, why don't you come up to the keyboard, and I'll, I'll just close with this. But when I think about Jesus turning that water into wine, I wonder, why did he do it? Why did he do that? This is really, really important. Stay with me now. Why did Jesus turn the water into wine? Was it just to take care of the thirst of the wedding guest? Was it just to make sure that the host were not embarrassed? I think all that plays into it. But I want you to look at a scripture that's taken from the Gospel of John. This is the Amplified Translation, John 2.11. It says, this, the first of his signs, the first of his attesting miracles, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee 
and revealed his glory, displaying his deity and his great power openly, and his disciples, now watch this, his disciples believed confidently in him as the Messiah they adhered to, they trusted in, and they relied on him. His disciples began to believe in Jesus. His disciples began to trust in Jesus. Folks, when you've got a need and you pray and God meets that need, it takes your trust level to a whole new level. Come on, it takes your trust to a whole new level and you can start believing God. Now, when you think of all the things Jesus came here to do, the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy, this is 1 John 3, 8, came to destroy the works of the enemy. The Bible says that Jesus came that we can have life and we can have it more abundantly. When you think of all the things that Jesus came to do, as he came to shed his life's blood for us, as he came to die on the cross, and be resurrected on the third day as he came to do good and heal all that were sick and oppressed of the devil of all the things he came to do i think turning water into wine i think is pretty low down there on the list here's the point he's concerned about what's going on in your life he's concerned that you got milk in your refrigerator he's concerned that you got cereal and bread and peanut butter for your kids come on he's concerned about your retirement he knows what's going on with the united states he knows what's going on with social security he knows what's going on with the benefits he knows he knows that that our national debt is just kind of out of sight now he's aware of all these things david said i've been young and now i'm now i'm old but i've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread folks they didn't have any kind of federal assistance they didn't have welfare in David's day. They didn't have Medicaid in David's day. They didn't have Medicare. They didn't have Social Security. They didn't have unemployment. They didn't have um, what's it called when you're handicapped when you can't work? Disability. They didn't have that stuff. But he says, I am now old, but I used to be young. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. And I got a word from headquarters heaven for you. You are not. Folks, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, I can't promise this for people that won't seek first the kingdom of God. I can't declare this for people that are that are lazy in their relationship with the Lord. But I'll tell you, if you'll keep seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you'll keep worshiping God with your tithes and offerings, if you'll keep obeying the promptings of the Holy Ghost, if you'll keep on keeping on, I'm telling you, you'll never, you'll see the heavens open and you'll see God taking care of needs like you never dreamed he could do it glory to God hallelujah 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 let's all stand come on I want us to close this service today and when I say close it's not closed yet but I want us to end the service today by giving the Holy Spirit a chance Giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to minister to everybody in this house. And here's what, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody in the house, whether you're, you're a member here, whether you regularly attend here or not, I'm going to ask everybody just to slip out from where you're standing and come. And we're going to press in everybody around this front area, around these altar areas. I want everybody in the house 
And we're going we're gonna to be doing, we're going to be doing three things. We're going to be pressing in. We're going to be, we're going to be just, just consecrating ourselves to the will of God, anew and afresh. God, I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Number two, we're going to spend time worshiping Jesus. We're going to thank him for being our provider. We're going to thank him for being our healer and our Holy Ghost baptizer. We're going to thank him for being our provider, our soon coming king. And then number three, we're going to pray for America. In nine days, we're going to be electing a new president. It's a very, very important time in the life of this nation. Come on, just come as close as you can. Come a little closer so people behind you can come in. Just come on in just a little bit more. Come just a little bit more. Now, right now, I want you to say Jesus in your own way. Come on, I want you to use your voice. I want you to pray it out out loud. You can pray in the spirit or you can pray with your understanding. But I want you to say, Jesus, I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Jesus, I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, I consecrate myself to you. Come on, come on, come on, enter in. Come on, come on, enter in. I want to hear a roar. I want to hear a roar. Come on. I want to hear a roar. God, I'm consecrating myself to you. I'm giving myself to you, Lord God. No holding back. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be who you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to to do. Lord, I belong to you. God, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Oh, Jesus, I give you everything. I'm not going to hold back, Lord. I give you my mind, my will, my emotions. I give you my body, my soul, my spirit. God, I give you everything, Lord God. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to hold back on my affections. I'm not going to hold back at all, Lord God. I give you everything. I'm consecrated to you, Lord Jesus. Come on. Come on. Press in. Oh, Jesus, we seek first your kingdom. We seek first your righteousness, Lord God. God, we don't want any sin in our lives. God, we don't want any iniquity inside us, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, we get things right with you. God, we get things right with you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, Lord God, we receive Jesus as our provider. Come on. I want you to say, I believe on you, Jesus, as my provider. Come on, tell him that. I believe on you, Jesus, as my provider. I believe on you as my provider. I thank you for providing. I thank you for your provision. I thank you that I'm prospering and I'm in health, even as my soul prospers. God, Lord, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that we can plan for success and not failure. I thank you that we can plan to prosper and not go under. I thank you, Lord, we're planning for success. I thank you, Lord God, we're planning for prosperity. God, we're planning. We receive you as our provider, Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord God. And God, we pray for this nation. Lord, the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Father, we pray for a great awakening in the United States. God, we pray for a great turning to righteousness, Lord God. We pray for a turning in this nation, Jesus. God, we pray for a turning in this nation, God. Oh, Jesus, we ask for a mighty revival in this nation, God. We pray for a mighty revival in this nation, Lord. 
We pray for a mighty revival in this nation, Jesus. God, we pray for a mighty turning. God, for a mighty turning. God, for a mighty turning, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, have mercy. Shed your grace again on this nation, Lord. Shed your grace again on this nation, Lord. On this land. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we cry out to you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.